Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Hey, good morning church. Good to have you here. How was the roads? Not too bad. Anybody getting an accident on the way here? No? Well, thanks for making time to be here and you worshiping at home online. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us and uh, giving this time over to the Lord. We're starting this new series called Missing Pieces about kind of the gaps in our lives, the things that are missing that, that, uh, that in reality that God intends to fill. He intends to fill. So we're going to talk about that over the course of these next, uh, I think, eight weeks for this series. And we're mostly going to be in the book of Acts. I encourage you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read from verses 42 to 47. And we'll be mostly in the book of Acts for this series and a little bit in 1 Corinthians, but mostly we'll be in this book that describes the, the birth of the church. So let's open to Acts chapter 2. And as you open your scriptures, let's open our hearts to the Lord. Lord, we could just as easily um, read these words and let them glance off of our lives and make no difference at all. But what we pray is that you, by your Holy Spirit, would bring this word to us that we could hear your living voice, your voice, Jesus, full of grace and truth, speaking to us and calling us forward into fuller life and deeper devotion. So we pray for that. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right, devoted. I want to talk to you about this word devoted. They devoted themselves. Devote, devotion comes in all kinds of different forms. A lot of you yesterday were um, sitting on the couch with the TV on, and there was a game on, right? And the Broncos, they changed their schedule from Sunday to Saturday. You said, I'm changing my schedule I'm not going to miss that game. So you sat down and you, you, you brought out your Broncos colors like you were wearing your Peyton Manning jersey. You were wearing your Von Miller jersey. Too soon? Does that hurt a little bit? And, and you were thinking, you know, you were believing maybe the Broncos are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I mean, it looked like we might do that, right? And you were in it. You were devoted. You were believing. And you were wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> right along with me, because I was there too. Devotion. And that's a kind of a form of devotion. You're devoted, but uh, that proves that devotion isn't always rational. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's not that bad to be devoted to the Broncos. I know some people are Cleveland Browns fans. <laughs> so it can be worse. And it can be even worse than that. 
Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, devoted. What does it mean to be devoted? We're going to talk in the series about missing pieces. Missing pieces. Speaking of the Broncos, you know. But, no, <laughs> missing pieces in our lives. Missing pieces in, in, uh, that we feel. Like, maybe just a few years ago, this thing was there. And now it feels like all of a sudden it's gone. Just before 2020 or before COVID or uh, before that big, that big life change, that big uh, move, that, that trauma, that illness, uh, before all of that, before that change of job or whatever it was that came, oh, I mean, before that horrible fire, you know? There was something there. Now, suddenly it feels like there's a, there's a gap. It's missing. You look for it and it's gone. Here's what I want to tell you. God intends to fill those missing pieces. God doesn't intend for you to wander through life trying to chuck stuff into that gap. God intends to fill that gap. So we've all got these missing pieces. I think there's a lot of them. We're missing community. We're missing fellowship. We're missing contact with family. We're missing a sense of mission and purpose. We're missing an optimism, a hope that helps us to believe that things are going to get better tomorrow, that things are going to get better We're missing it. God intends to fill those gaps. Some of us here in this room, some of you worshiping online, you're missing God. Maybe you never knew God. Maybe you walked with the Lord for a season. You walked away from Him. He hasn't moved. You have. You're you're missing God. God intends to fill those gaps. There is a, a, a mathematician philosopher about 400 years ago named Blaise Pascal, he said, there is a God-shaped hole in every heart. A God-shaped hole. And what he meant was there's something in your heart that can only be filled by God, that can only be matched by Him. And we, and as we run through our lives, we're trying to grab everything. I mean, we're grasping at anything, anything that comes our way that we might pitch in that gap just to try to get a little sense of relief but it's a God-shaped hole. And as Pascal said, in that, that infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. By God himself. The reason why they're missing pieces, the reason why you feel these vacancies in your life, those vacancies are there because they were meant to be occupied. And God intends to fill those gaps. And he intends to use the church. And so that's what this series is really about. How is God going to use the church to fill the gaps, to fill the missing pieces in your life? Well, the book of Acts tells the story of the church coming together for the first time. And our passage today starts with this idea of of being devoted, of devotion. What are they devoted to? It's not the Broncos. (laughs) It's a... You know, you devote yourself to some stuff, you're destined for disappointment, amen? And we devote ourselves to all kinds of different things that disappoint. But what did they devote themselves to? It's a different kind of devotion. Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, and to prayer. One thing that might be missing in your life is devotion. Is there anything in your life that's worthy of, of true devotion, of actually giving yourself away to. What do you think of when I, when you, when I use that word devotion? 
I mean, I think of a lot of different images. What does devotion look like? Um, I picture, well, I picture like that family who's, you know, their child was abducted or something or was lost, and, and the, the mom and the dad, they just, I'm never giving up. I'm going to find this child. They, they, year after year, you hear the story of them pursuing, and, and finally they find that child, they bring the child home. I mean, that's devotion, right? I think of devotion, I think of those seasons as a, um, a pet owner. Some of you might be in that season right now where, you know, your dog has gotten a little bit beyond years and, and you're sort of waking up in the morning patiently tidying up. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? But there's a sweetness, there's a patience, there's a devotion. And you love that dog, you know? Devotion. I think of the, uh, the long marriages in this church. 50-year marriages. Do we have any 50-year marriages in the house, in here? Oh, my goodness. Praise you, God. Praise God. Praise God. Yep. And some in our church are like, 50 years was a long time ago for, for our marriage. 50-year devotion of marriage, you know? Young people hop up. They say these, you know, they jump up, say these vows, kind of between giggles, you know, in plenty and in one, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health. Let's go, you know? Let's go get into it. Well, 50 years later, those words mean, mean something more. I mean, you, you know what it was to be in plenty. You remember that. And you remember that season of being in want. You know the joy and the sorrow, and you remember sticking together in both of those. And, and sickness, I mean, now you know what sickness looks like. And so you give thanks for health in a new way. That's, see, that's... That's devotion, until death do us part, right? It's devotion. It's devotion. I believe God wants that kind of thing in your life. I believe you need that kind of thing in your life. In fact, I, surely, I believe that surely the Spirit of God imparts such gifts to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Devotion. Is it missing? The church is worthy of devotion. The body of Christ is worthy of devoting yourself to. The mission of Jesus is worthy of of devoting yourself to. And what we see in the birth of the church is that the believers devoted themselves to it. Devotion. What do they devote themselves to? Okay, Acts 2.42. This is your memory verse. You should should memorize this. I'm going to catch you on the street and say, Acts 2.42. And uh, this is the verse that we want to live into this verse, okay? So let's read this together as a church. And you at home... Uh, You know, come on, read with us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Four things. Four things. See, what you've got here is a a kind of a fourfold measure. How do I find a church worthy of devoting myself to? How do I find a church that's worthy of making any sacrifice for? Well, there's a fourfold measure. Either this church, as you measure this church that you're involved with, or if you're moving to a new city, you've got to find a church, or you're going to settle somewhere after college. How do I find a church that's worthy of the kind of devotion that the scriptures are calling me toward? Okay, fourfold. What did they devote themselves to? Well, number one, they devoted themselves to, the first thing is, they devoted themselves to, say it with me, the apostles' teaching. What's that? It's the scriptures. 
The apostles' teaching, the teachings of the apostles in the time that Acts was written by Luke, this was the sayings and the stories of Jesus that were in the process of getting written down and and shared and memorized in the community of faith. And the apostles' teaching was held in the same regard and with the same authority as the word of God found already in the Old Testament. So the apostles' teaching is the word of God. For example, here's just one example. There's a lot of them, but here's Ephesians 2.20. Describes the church as built on the foundation of the, what? Apostles and prophets. The apostles are the, you know, the people who walked with Jesus. And then the prophets are, is the Old Testament. All the testimony of the Old Testament. And they're held on the same footing, the same ground. The apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. What does it say? What does it mean when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? It means they devoted themselves to the word of God. A church that's worthy of, of, of investing in, of being part of, devotes itself to the word of God. First Pres, as far as our church is concerned, this is critical for us. In our First Pres way, our, our seven values in pursuit of Jesus, we say, hold fast. Hold fast. Stay founded on Scripture and centered on Christ who holds us steady. We believe there's something to to being founded on Scripture as we're centered on Christ, to being devoted to the Word of God. With the Westminster Confession, we proclaim and believe the Holy Scriptures to be the Word of God written. You see that phrase in there? The Word of God written, given by the inspiration of God. This is a book like no other book. This is given by the inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and life. Folks, First Pres is a Bible church. I hope you know that. We're a Bible church. We don't own the Bible. The Bible owns us. We don't dispense the Word of God. The Word of God dispenses with us as it will. And we submit everything that we do and everything that we decide to the Word of God. I mean, every decision we make and everything, every action that we make, from the, uh, the men and women that we ordain to the, the infants and adults that we baptize to the very coffee pots we fill up with hot coffee. We say as a staff, what's the scriptural foundation for everything we're doing? Did anybody get a cup of coffee on the way in here? You owe it to the Bible. <laughs> you owe it to the Bible. Because everything we do at this church, we know the scriptural foundation for the things that we're doing. So the Bible says, be nice, give people coffee. Not exactly, but it's in there. (laughs) Hospitality, all that. Uh, We're a Bible church. This is the word of God written. If you want to know what God thinks, if you want to know what God says, if you want to know God's word, you read the pages of this book. And no, you can't make scripture, you can't bend scripture to say whatever you want it to say. That's a farce. The words run right across the page one after the other, and they have a defined scope and meaning. This conveys the word of God. A church that's going to walk with Christ is a church that's devoted to the word of God. They devoted themselves to it. Second, second thing they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to, it's coming, it's coming. What is it? Fellowship. Fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. This is a really celebrated word in the Greek New Testament. It's the word koinonia. Anybody heard that word before? 
koinonia. And it's, it's thicker than fellowship. It's like in commonness. It's like mutual belonging. I don't belong to myself. I belong to this body. And I'm, I'm giving myself into a, a mutual belonging, a connection. When we talk about being part of a church, we talk about being a member of a body, like you're, append, you're an appendage attached to a larger organism. And you're actually, you know, you're tied. You, you belong to each other. You're, you're, you're part of the body. So that if, 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 if the body hurts, you hurt because you're tied to it. And if you hurt, the body hurts because you're, you're one. If the body's in jeopardy, you're in jeopardy because you're part of that. And if you're in jeopardy, the body's in jeopardy because you're tied together. Do you feel that? It's thicker than affinity. It's thicker than Broncos fans, you know. It's thicker than being, oh, we live in Colorado Springs together. We're citizens. It's thicker than all that. It's thicker than school. There's this thickness of being joined together one to another. It's more like it's more like family. But it takes devotion. They devoted themselves to it. See, this is a missing piece. Everybody's talking about this. I feel lonely. People are desperately and tragically and painfully alone. And what do they want? They say, well, I want real community. I want to genuinely know somebody, and I want them to genuinely know me. I want to be tied to others on something that means more than just like we like each other, affection and affinity and, and a hobby or something like that. I want to be tied to something bigger that's going to hold me together with others past you know, the wrinkles and ups and downs of life. I want to be part of a genuine, authentic community. But you know what you're not willing to do? You're not willing to make the sacrifice that it takes to be tied to the body of Christ. It takes devotion. It takes saying, I'm not my own. I'm going to sacrifice myself and be part of something bigger. I'm going to hang in. So I'll ask you it this way. How often does church win? When you're playing your game of life, how often does church win? Like the soccer game comes along, the golf game comes along, the good skiing comes along, but you say, you know what, wait, 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 wait. church wins today. Are you with me? Now you all, you're here, I mean, I'm going to give you credit, right? <laughs> you're like, Pastor Tim, come on, I'm sitting right here. Church one, church one today, right? You worshiping at home, church one, awesome, awesome. But you know what I'm talking about, right? How often does church win? How often does church win? We have gotten really used to being online. And uh, we've gotten used to being separated out. And I want to say this, and uh, for those of you who are worshiping online, you already watched my intro video to online worship for this series, but I want to say that again for the benefit of the room. If you're worshiping online because in your best risk assessment of your life and, and health risks that you're facing and those around you, the best decision for you is to separate out from crowds and to stay away from crowds, uh, look, I bless you, I encourage you, this church is never going to leave you behind. I mean, you're making a good decision according to what's in front of you in your life with the Lord and your conscience and the Holy Spirit. We're with you. But here's the thing. Some of us, church, are just plain getting used to not going to church. And so Pastor Tim's going to apply a little pressure. Okay? Pastor Tim's going to open up a little can of encouragement. <laughs> All right? <laughs> 
I was reading an article, a pastor said, what's the most discouraging thing of the last year? The pastor said, the most discouraging thing was going to parties and ball games and events and bumping into church members. And they said, oh, pastor, yeah, we just haven't been going to church because of COVID. You know. They said, at a party, right? <laughs> at a ball game, at a concert. What are the priorities? When does church win? When does it win? If you want to taste what community is like as God offers it, if you feel this missing piece in your life, and you want to know what koinonia means, you want to know what it means to actually be bound to the body of Christ, you want to know what it means to be supernaturally united with others in a family, in a fellowship that's multi-generations and goes on forever, and you want to know what it is to be part of that, to be part of the body of Christ, well, you've got to make a sacrifice. You've got to be devoted. You've got to say, you know what? Church wins today. Okay? You've got to get there be there. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Amen? Amen? All right. And you guys, and you guys at home, you get credit today. Church won today. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It takes devotion. Number three, does your church then uh, devote itself to the word? Does it devote itself to fellowship? Number three, they devoted themselves to what? You got to break the bread. What does it mean to break the bread? It means, uh, well, it means like what we talk about. We broke bread together. It means getting together for dinner, right? Getting together for meals. There's an intimacy in uh, hosting one another, hospitality and receiving hospitality and getting there and being together and eating together. There's, there's an intimacy in that that's critical. And it means more than that. It means like the Bible says again and again, you've got to get the people together to celebrate, to have a feast day. You've got to celebrate what God has done. So there's celebration and feasting in the breaking of bread, but it means even more than that because this is a reference to the Lord's Supper, to Holy Communion, to the sacraments of the church, that the church was only just starting to bear under. What does that mean? When Jesus gathered us in the upper room and he said, when you're together, do this, break this bread, share this cup and remember my sacrifice on the cross. What does that mean? breaking bread together. We're going to spend a couple of weeks in this series where we talk about exactly what we believe as a church about communion and about baptism, the two sacraments of the church. And just to give you a little taste, get you thinking, uh, folks, at-home communion, the phrase at-home communion is an oxymoron. Okay? Now, yes, uh, look, under, there's persecutions and there's imprisonments and there's medical emergencies and there's global pandemics, okay? And so then accommodations are made and we stretch things. But if you want to understand communion, at-home communion doesn't make any sense. Communion is the church coming together as the body and tasting together from the one loaf, the one cup, the presence of Christ and the holy sacraments to be together. They, fo they devoted themselves to breaking bread. Fourth, they devoted themselves to what? Prayer. The disciples of Jesus Christ learned a lot about prayer. They started out just like everybody else, believing that prayer was something that you asked holy people to go do in the temple on your behalf. Like, you go up and you pray for me. Say a prayer for me. Okay, that's the first step. And then they moved to the second step, which is prayer is something that I recite. Jesus, teach me what to pray. 
I want to know the recitation. I want to know the incantation, right? And that's why like we say, say your prayers. But there's a further stage where Jesus has won the victory of communion with God and by the Holy Spirit imbued in your heart, prayer becomes more than someone else praying for you or you saying your prayers. Prayer is you talking with God. A conversation opened up with God. And you know, our, our kids have to go through that same uh, series of events. You know that? I talked to you kids in the, in the church house today. You went through the same series of events, kids. Looking for your attention. I got some of it. The kids in the church. You know, there's a time when your mom and dad, they just prayed for you. You don't remember that because you were in your crib, you know, filling a diaper. <laughs> but your, your mom and dad, they just prayed for you. But then you know what? There's that season in life, kids, where your parents say, okay, say your prayers. Has your mom and dad ever said that? Anybody? Nobody in the house? Somebody right there? Say your prayers, Titus. Say your prayers. Yeah, so there's a season where I say, okay, say your prayers. But you know what? Listen to me now. If you know God, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, just like anybody else that you talk to, that you're friends with, Eventually, it isn't that someone's praying for you and it isn't that you're saying your prayers. It's that you're gonna talk to him yourself. You're gonna talk to Jesus. You're gonna talk to God. We've all gotta move through that. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, you open up and talk to him. And that's what Jesus has won for all of us. So they devoted themselves to prayers. And what that means in big church is all the stuff that we do to celebrate the presence of God together. When we worship, when we sing, when we say common prayers, when we come before the word together. All these ways that as a big church that we celebrate the presence of God together. And as individuals in your private life, it's recognizing that Christ has won something for you. You have access to God. And you can pray to him. You can open up that conversation at any minute, at any time, in any place. You are connected to the living God. And you can just speak with him. So talk to God. He's already listening. Prayer. What did the church do? It devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God. Devoted themselves to fellowship, to getting together. Devoted themselves to the sacraments. And devoted themselves to prayer. Four things. Four things for a living church of Jesus Christ. What happens in a church like that, folks? Open up your passage again, and we're just going to run down. In a body like that, there is constant wonder and amazement as God does things that you never imagined. Look at this, verse, verse 43. Everyone was filled with what? With awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were filled with, with awe. Don't read that and think, oh, the apostles were magicians. No, the apostles were normal people. What it's talking about here is the wonders and signs, the works of God, the stuff that God is doing in a church that's devoted to the word and the fellowship and the sacraments and the prayer. God is doing stuff and there's gonna be times where you just sort of, you're on your heels, you just have your mouth open. Like, what? God did that? You're filled with awe. You're filled with wonder because God's alive and at work in his body. A body like that Shares life together. Look at verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Look at this closely. That's not communism. 
where a government takes everything and redistributes wealth for the sake of revolution. That's not socialism that denies individuals the right to ownership of property. Well, what is it? What it is is supernatural community. It's more like family. That I'm with you. And I love you. And I just can't be with you and love you and have too much when you have too little. And so there's a joy in sharing in need. There's a joy in it and a freedom in it. And when it happens, it's supernatural because other people don't behave like that, right? And the, and the love of Jesus is on the, put on display. It's a supernatural community, more like family. A body like that, what else? Keep going down. In a body like that, people love being together, even when there are powerful forces to keep them apart. Verse 46. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. When did they meet? Every day. They just got to be together. They met in Solomon's colonnade in the temple courts. You know what that means? That means they got up and they walked past Roman guards and they walked past the Jewish temple guards and they gathered together because we got to be together. I mean, there are a hundred reasons why the body of Christ should stay apart. But the body of Christ has got to come together. They need to be together. And so they gathered in the temple courts. And then what did they do? They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's fellowship, glad and sincere. I'm glad to be together. And I'm really sincere about it, you know? Are you in a circle? What is this? This is big church getting together, and this is life group, small church, circling up. Okay? This is big church getting together in the temple courts. We're here. We got to be together big and we got to worship God and his presence with us. And then we broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. If you're not in a group where you know each other by name, where you can pray for one another meaningfully, not like, oh, pray for me. Yeah, I will. Where you can really pray for real needs. If you're not in a group where you know each other by name, you miss each other when you're not there, you pray for one another meaningfully, you trust one another enough that you can apply Scripture to each other's lives, and you're walking the Christian life together, and you're trying to live the life of Jesus together, you need to be in a circle like that. You need a life group. We're starting a new run of life groups on Wednesday night, and the last time Pastor Michael ran a new run of life groups uh, through this program called Rooted, they got together for seven weeks and they learned about faith and life together. All five of those groups stuck together after the, like the trial period. It's like a, you know, like a seven-week uh, test drive. And they stuck with it. They bought it. You know why? Because that's a missing piece. If you want to taste what that feels like, you need to come together in big church and you need to be in in life groups with one another, with glad and sincere hearts. A church like that lasts, worships big and loud. They have the presence and communion of God to celebrate. So there they are, praising God and enjoying the favor, 47, of all the people, verse 47, verse 47, Acts 2. Get praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Who added to the number of the church? The Lord, not the church, 
The Lord added to the church. Why? Because the Lord saw a church that's devoted to the word, that's devoted to the fellowship, to being together, that's devoted to the sacraments, that's devoted to prayer. And the Lord said, I can entrust more of the lost and the lonely to come into that space and to be cared for and to be nurtured and to be ushered into relationship with Jesus and eternal life in the community of faith. The Lord added to their number. They devoted themselves to that. Devotion. Is there something worthy of devotion in your life? They devoted themselves to it. That means they, they, they offered a steadfast and single-minded fidelity. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get into this. Devoted themselves. A body like that is worthy of giving yourself to. But church, sometimes we can't. We can't do the devotion that's necessary. We can't give ourselves the way that's necessary to make that community happen, to fill that gap. You read along in your Bible and you see that word devoted is used in, in, in other ways. A lot of times, it's used to describe sacrifice. Like a, a sacrificial dove is devoted to the Lord. An ox is taken up onto the Temple Mount and there it is devoted to God. You know what that means? It means it's slaughtered. It's taken to pieces, body and blood, all spilled out. You and I, we want that missing piece filled in. We want that community. We can't make the kind of sacrifice, the kind of devotion that's required to make the community that we need. I can give some. I can give some commitment. But who can give all? Who could possibly give body and blood, their whole self, to make a community work? Who could possibly give everything, all their entirety away, everything that they've got, everything in their life, their whole future, all their dreams? Who could possibly give body and blood? You and I, we can't give it. But Jesus did. And he went to the cross and he hung on the cross to die for our sins. And there he was devoted. He was devoted for us, for you, for me. That that missing piece could be filled. That he could win for us the community, the life, the eternal life and joy of the family of God. For you, for us, Jesus was devoted. Lord, I thank you that, that you made that kind of a sacrifice. How painful it is to be lonely and lost, separated, to hunger for community, to hunger to be known and loved, and to be far from home. And you, Jesus, you handed your body over, body and blood, your whole life poured out. And as you hung there and died, as the scripture says, you did not count the sacrifice. You despised the sacrifice for the sake of the joy that was before you. It was worth it to win the joy, to win your children home, to win eternal life, to win people into your presence, to win people into the family of God, to win those who were lost and darkened and hurting and broken and separated, and to win them back into your family, to fill their hearts, to watch their hearts get filled with the victories that you won. You despise not the sacrifice of the cross for the joy that was before you. And when he rose again from the dead, 
You secured the promise. And now all who call on your name, Jesus, right now, right now, can know the fullness of life in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.